Welcome to The Purpose Project. I'm Emily, a 23-year-old graduate student who's on her journey to find her purpose. I mean, who isn't? On this podcast, we'll chat through the good, the bad, and the ugly, having raw and real conversations about lifestyle, career, health, and mindset. The path to find your purpose isn't easy, but we can do it together, one episode at a time. Hello, and welcome to The Purpose Project. Welcome back, or welcome if you are new. My name is Emily, and I'm so excited to have you here today on another fantastic Friday and amazing 24 hours ahead of us. I am, I'm on a high today. I don't know why. I I woke up a little bit later than I usually do, which is not like me. I'm usually up and at right at like 6.37, get a head start on my slow morning routine and just get after the day. But today I slept into like 8.30 because my morning meetings got canceled. I didn't have another meeting until 10. So I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna lay in bed. And I did. And I just, I feel very energized now after two and a half meetings I had. I had a podcast recording, then I had a meeting for work, and then I had a meeting with a friend. And now I am in between another meeting as well. But This is just the chaos that is my life, and you guys don't need or don't care to know that, but I hope you're all well and just staying healthy and sane during these crazy times. I can't believe it is about to be November. Who would have thought? Like, it's almost the end of 2020, thank goodness, but hopefully 2021 has better in store for all of us, but We're going to make the best of the year we have left and every single day we have left because that's what we do here. We focus on the 24 in front of us and make the day ours. That's your little inspiration for today. (laughs) But let's dive right into the mantra of the week or the affirmation of the week. And this week, I've been struggling a little bit with my... Just my mindset for the future, and I always preach on this podcast, folks on the 24, and that's just what I've been reminding myself. But we we go through scr- struggle, and struggle sometimes can be really overpowering, but it's how we react to it that allows us to grow and to get stronger. So I've been focusing on how I'm stronger than my struggle. So the affirmation for this week is... My strength is greater than any struggle, and I'm getting stronger every day. Again, my strength is greater than any struggle, and I'm getting stronger every day. And that is just a reminder for the listener out there that may hear this and resonate. Maybe you're dealing with some crap right now, or you're feeling like you can't get out of the struggle, and like that's all you can face right now. But Someone reminded me recently that if you're struggling, it means you're living. And that's a good reminder. You woke up today, that's a good reminder. And you just need to keep keep living and keep working through those struggles because that way make what makes us human. So focus on how you are stronger than any struggle that may come to your force, but it's how you react and how your mindset switches that allows you to conquer those struggles. So definitely remind yourself of this going into this week and this weekend and the remainder of today's 24. But going off of that, just a little life update on the hard 75 that I've been doing. I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving the new routine that I've set for myself and the expectation that I've set for myself. I look forward to my second 45 minute workout every day, which is usually a long walk down the pretty streets of Fairmount Avenue um, and some of the back streets that just have pretty houses. And, oh, God, the landscape is so beautiful. So I look forward to that every day, just taking a walk with a podcast in my ears and sometimes a a treat in my hand, a.k.a. a pumpkin cold brew or something. I'm going to do that today. I haven't bought myself a coffee in over two weeks. That is happening today. But other than that, it's the program's really allowing me to create a routine for myself and expectations for myself. Like, for example, great example, yesterday I went to go vote. And that, this is also my reminder to all of you, and I haven't said this yet on my podcast, and I apologize for not bringing it up yet. But 
voting is so freaking important, y'all. And if you aren't voting, I, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Like you need to vote. Voting is your right and your duty as a citizen and is so crucial at this time in our life, in our careers, ever, just period, in our nation, we need to vote. So I'm not going to get all political and dive into things right now, but this is just your, not so much gentle reminder, but your reminder, and I'm raising my voice now, this is your reminder to go vote. I think a lot of states early voting ends actually ended this past week. So on November 3rd, if you haven't, if you haven't submitted your mail-in ballot or whatnot, I mean, on November 3rd is your last and final day to put your vote in. Please, please vote. And that, that's, that's my TED talk. Thank you for coming. Um, but so on that note, yesterday, I went to go, or not yesterday, Tuesday, I went to go, Tuesday, wow, oh my God, I can't get my days of the week right, Monday, Monday, I went to go vote, and I took off of work early, went to go vote, kind of cleared my schedule until I had class at night, assuming it was, it was only going to take a few hours. Y'all, I ended up standing in line to vote for four hours, four hours, I screwed up my back. I have back problems, runs in my family, and my back, my lower back was in so much pain. I couldn't work out yesterday. I couldn't do any of it. I did my walk, like my walk to and from the voting place. That was my 45 minutes for my first workout, but I still need to complete a second workout for the 75 hard program. So I still stuck to it and committed to it, and I did a 45-minute yoga flow and stretch at night right before I went to bed and I woke up this morning and my back feels great. It's just like I made those promises to myself in the 75 hard program that I need to continue to do even if something comes up like that. And that's the whole point of the program. So that's going well. And also your reminder to vote. And yeah, that's, that's all I, that's all I have, I think. But, um, for today's episode, I had the honor of chatting with Naomi Powell. She is a wife, mother, she's a marketing expert, international speaker, business coach, and she's the host of the Lifestyle Edit. Naomi's mission is really inspirational and I connect with it so much as she is just really trying to help others, females in particular, to go towards these really large and grand goals and understand that they are worth striving for and that success comes from alignment, not from hustle. So Naomi and I talk through so much in this episode. I can't even like list out the amount of things we talk about, but I mean, for example, we talk about burnout and starting a business and the fears behind starting a business and how she even started her business. And talking with Naomi was so eye-opening and refreshing. And I'm telling you guys, grab your pen and paper because you're going to want to take notes. I was taking notes the entire time myself as someone who is considering starting a business one day and maybe, maybe not, who knows, but all of her advice was super refreshing and helpful in every which way. So I know you guys are going to take a ton, a ton of quality and content from this episode. So Without further ado, let's dive right into my conversation with Naomi, and I'll chat with you all afterwards. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Purpose Project. Today, I have a girl boss here with me. She is a business and mindset coach and the CEO of The Lifestyle Edit. Hi, Naomi. How are you? I am so well. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm super excited to dive into our conversation, but before we dive into all the details, let my listeners know in like a 30 second pitch, who is Naomi? So I am a business and mindset coach for coaches and consultants. My life's mission is to support them in truly stepping into financial overflow. These are women who have been doing transformational works. Their clients love them. Um, They're making a huge impact, but they have this underlying belief that in order to do meaningful work that's truly transformational, 
it is at odds with creating a financial legacy for themselves. It's either do work that doesn't feel good to you and make tons of money or make an impact and not be able to um, step into that kind of financial overflow. So my biggest mission is supporting women in realizing that you get to have both. You get to make an incredible impact. And the profits that you get are just a sign of the value. You can't increase your income without putting more value into the world. The profit that you retain is just simply evidence of that. So I support these coaches and consultants by helping them come off the feast to famine roller coaster. So we do that in a few ways. We help them with magnetic marketing, right? And just showing up as themselves, calling in their idle clients, making it safe for their clients to buy without being on this kind of burnout of creating so much content. We then also work with them on soulful sales. Again, taking a lot of the stigma out of selling and really reframing the way that we think about selling as coming from a place of service, which is exactly what these women are doing. And then making sure that we're having offers that are profitable and having systems and automations that make it really easy to scale with leverage. That sounds absolutely amazing. And I know a lot of my listeners are going to love the conversation that we're going to have today about burnout and about scaling your business and monetizing it in that way. Because for me too, financially, I don't monetize my podcast. One day I hope to get that what get to that place, but I'm super excited to hear more about your program and everything that you do with that. But before we do that, I do want to unpack your story. How did the lifestyle edit even begin? Where did you start? Where did the inspiration um, come up? Yeah, so before I started this business, I was doing something Um, quite different. So my background is as a journalist. I was an editor for many years before starting the Lifestyle Edit. As a kid, I always knew that I wanted to work in publishing. So I spent years working in magazines and newspapers. And the wonderful thing about that, you know, graduating from college, ripe age of 21, the youngest editor of a national newspaper in the UK, um, it was such a baptism of fire in the most exciting way being able to interview such incredible people in the kind of life and style place, doing cover interviews, traveling, doing all of that great stuff. And what was ha- there were so many things happening at the time. One, I was interviewing these incredible founders of these companies that we all know and love. And I would go back to my desk and these interviews would be so condensed down to such a superficial level that it would always be, you know, they have a new collection coming out next week, go and buy it. And mind you, I'd spent like a day being a fly on the wall, interviewing this person, getting to know them, getting to know their background story, getting to know the sliding doors moments and how they'd been able to build this incredible empires. And I was looking around and there just wasn't anyone that was covering it in that way. In a lot of the magazines that I, the consumer women's titles that I was reading, it was almost like they saw women in silos it was like if you're interested in fashion and beauty you're not interested in anything else like forget your career forget anything else and then in the kind of entrepreneurship sphere at the time and mind you this was what six seven years ago it was very corporate white middle-aged guy head of a fortune 500 company behind a desk there wasn't anything else and I was just like if I am feeling like I am not being represented in these different spaces. I know there are going to be lots of other people that are feeling that way. And that was kind of how the Lifestyle Edit was born. I really wanted to use the access that I had to these incredible founders and share their stories. So yes, for the inspiration, but the mission was very much beyond that. I felt like we had some of that inspiration already out there. But what I was really interested in was like, how did Sarah Blakely become Sarah Blakely? So many of these interviews would focus on the the after effect. I wanted to know the decisions that she made that contributed to where she was today, how she overcome self-doubt and fear, but also the nuts and bolts of the strategy. Like, what did that look like? So when the Lifestyle Edit originally launched, it was very much targeted at plugging this gap and being a home for kind of the best in class entrepreneurial stories of creative women. And it evolved from that place. So I really wanted it to begin with to, I wanted the, I never wanted to change the mission because I needed to monetize. 
So I focused on creating really pure, high quality content. And I was like, okay, but I need to monetize this because I've now left my job. This is what I'm doing. So instead, what I did was I started a consulting company. At that time, one of the blessings of doing my job before was that even though I was a fashion editor, I was working in tandem with the commercial team. As an editor, I want as much pages as possible in order to write all of these stories, have all of this editorial. You only get pages if you if you have ads to support it. So I was always working with the ads team to come up with really creative campaigns and advertorials that we could do with fashion and lifestyle brands. Um, so I knew that world really well. And at that time, a lot of the advertising spend was going online brands were realizing that it wasn't enough to do a 24 by 4 ad in a newspaper anymore. They needed to have their own editorial voice. They needed to be online and offline. They needed to be creating events. They needed to be on all of these channels. They needed to be working with influencers. So while I was building out the content side of the lifestyle edit to begin with, I created this consulting limb where I was kind of the go-between for a lot of these brands who were now having to be content platforms in their own right. Um, And at that time, I started commuting between New York and London. And so a lot of the brands that I knew from back home had either had stores and had a a footprint in the US, um, but hadn't really done anything or wanted to do that. So I was also acting as kind of the go-between, somebody who knew their brand in intimately in their native home um, that could kind of help them dream up what their kind of publicity media rollout would look like in the U.S. I'm super impressed and thank you for sharing that and I think my question comes from that is when I was listening to you talk about that it sounds like you did a lot of pivoting and a lot of redirection not so much changing the business as a whole but just how you needed to redirect it for your life and what you wanted to come of it so what were some of the biggest challenges that you had to face when first starting this brand in through any of these pivots, either if it was physically and outward with the business directly or even internally and mentally? Oh, there's so many places that we can go, but just practically, I knew that I always wanted to create a good product. And I think the problem with a lot of, especially creative entrepreneurs, is that we focus so much on the product, we don't actually focus on the business. So where, in in a sense, it can kind of look like pivots, I've just always prioritized cash flow from the beginning of my business, right? So in order for the product to be what it was, again, lots of founders can just spend so much time just tweaking, creating, doing all of these things in a vacuum. I'd already kind of tested that it was viable, but I didn't have the business model for the content down packed at that time, right? Um, because again, even in the online space, even though the spend was going there, it it wasn't as sophisticated as it was right now. So I knew that in order for me to be in this business in the long run, I needed to be a cash flowing business from the beginning. So that's kind of where the consulting part of it came from. And I think that is such a, now looking back, I'm realizing that that was such a powerful skill that I was honing at that time. As business owners, we have to be malleable. And I think we're seeing it at this time. It's like, keep the vision clear, but the how is always subject to change, right? And just look at what we're going through in the world right now. You know, as of recording, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. When that happened, and of course, this is taking away, I'm just talking about it through the lens of business. I didn't go into a panic mode because I trust myself that I'm able to rise to the challenge of anything that comes up in my business. I make plans, I have strategies, but I don't hold on to them like doggishly. I'm always able to kind of be malleable and meet the needs of my people where they are today. And that's one of the reasons why I've seen a lot of businesses struggle or kind of contract in moments like that because they're so on this one path that the moment something changes they're not malleable enough to kind of iterate and tweak and move forward and use that actually as leverage to continue to grow well I admire that a lot in you the fact that you're able to work so confidently and be able to stay so headstrong but a lot I feel like a lot of people 
fall when there's change that happens because they get extremely overwhelmed. And especially during the pandemic, I mean, when the pandemic started, no one saw this coming. And we've all had to really either fall or keep moving forward. And you just have to push through the adversity and the change. So what advice would you have for someone that may not have that much confidence and may get really stressed out during change? What would you say to them to try to make them feel a little bit better and try to focus more on that confidence? Yeah. So confidence is one of those interesting things. It's very much like a chicken or the egg. Do you have confidence and then you take bold, confident action? Or do you have to take that bold, confidence action? And that is how you actually build confidence, right? Confidence comes from competence, right? We only have that confidence the more that we're actually doing things. And then we have a bank of knowledge of like, these are the things that I did in the past where I took messy action and it worked. So I need to continue to lean into that, right? It's a muscle more than it is something that you either have or you don't have. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important with with confidence that first of all, to just take, I think part of the reasons why we can be shaky and not have confidence is because we expect things to say the same. We expect that a strategy that worked yesterday is going to work today, <laughs> right? So when it doesn't, we lose our confidence, right? We are confident as a result, right? So I have a really good month in business. That makes me feel confident and competent. I have a low month this month in business. I no longer feel confident and competent. So I always say to my clients, the confidence and the competence needs to be something that is an innate knowing that is immaterial to your results. The confidence comes from who you are. It's not about whether you've had a good month this month, this this works. It's unwavering. And so much of running a business, especially being the CEO, it's weird because we have the like emotional human being side and then we have the CEO side. So part of what I do with the combination of the business and the mindset is that as CEOs, of course, we have we have moments where we waver and our confidence is knocked. That's why it's so important to be able to self-coach ourselves through those kind of moments and be able to separate that from then making really objective decisions in our business. Um, and it's tough, but again, it's it's a muscle. Yeah, I could not agree more. And like you said, being a CEO, you have to have that emotional intelligence in business. You have that side of you want to be all emotional all the time, but you also have to be CEO. So I completely agree with what you were saying. And confidence is something that you practice. And I preach that on this podcast is that anyone can be confident. You just have to be willing to practice and make sure that you are putting in all the practices every day to ensure that your mindset's going to go that way and you're not defined by your actions. Absolutely. So I'm so glad that you said that. And I think also, Emily, it's about having clarity on your why. And I hate even using that term because it sounds so cheesy. But I'm glad you did. A lot of people say to me like, you know, when your confidence is knocked and all of this kind of stuff, how do you get back up again? How do you motivate yourself? How do you, yeah, how do you do it? And I'm just like, because this was never about me. This was never about me. The wonderful thing is that I get to make such immense change with the work that I do. But You, all of us need to have something that gets us out of bed in the morning. Like it's not something that somebody else can give you. And we're always, you know, just NLP, we are always driven by pain or pleasure, our desires, right? So in, Mm -hmm. for me, I got to a point in my entrepreneurial journey where I was like, I am so done with saying that this is a priority and my, the way that I spend my time showing that that's not a a priority right I am so done with like getting my confidence from reading books but not actually taking the action right being the theoretical expert but not actually doing it because I'm afraid I am done with fear getting in the way of me actually changing my life I am so done with not moving and stepping into my full potential and on the flip side I was like I was so connected to my desires right we always have to have something we're always in business whenever we want new results we're going to have to do new scary things right and new things that we've never done before so we don't have that confidence because we've never done it before 
This is where it becomes so important to tap into our desires, to rise to the level of our desires. So many of us are so afraid of our desires because we're like, if we honor our desires, shit, we're actually going to have to do something. We're actually going to have to do the scary thing. Um, And I am so clued up in my desires, right? And so for me, I'm thinking, for example, I never want it to be a situation where I can, a decision that I'm making for my kids is based on money, right? I never want it to be that I want to change my family's financial legacy. I want to make a shit ton of money so I can change some of the big problems that we're experiencing. Black women in the United States, 235% more likely to die in childbirth or pregnancy than their white counterparts. By the average net worth of the black single black woman in this country is $5. 75% of black households in this in this country are headed up by women. Yet look, the average net worth is X. This so I have a fire in my ass. Like I have a lot to do. <laughs> so when I have the fear, when my confidence starts to waver, I'm like, this isn't about me, right? I make the ego is making it about me. There are so many, who stands to benefit by me showing up, whether that is the amazing clients that I get to support and the ricochet effect that the, of the work that we get to do in their lives, in their families' lives, in their clients' lives. What me having the resources, like what am I going to be able to do in the resources and what impact is that going to have on the world? This is not about me. I can hear the passion in your voice and I could not agree more with anything that you've just said because I just had a very wonderful conversation the other day with one of my good friends and he reminded me that your purpose and your why should be something that you can never achieve. It should be something that is not a numerical goal or something that is defined by a statistic, but it should be something that literally puts a fire under your ass and gets you to work each and every day, even on the days where you don't feel like it. So I talk about that all the time as podcast. So I'm so glad that you did mention something about your why, because that is something that my listeners are very in tune with and hear about a lot from me. So going off of that, Did you have any doubters, any haters when you first started your um, business? Either, I mean, sometimes when we have something that's great, like I remember when I first started this podcast, my family was very supportive, but they didn't quite understand why I was doing it. And that's just when you have to surround yourself with people, like-minded people that understand that. But I digress. What were, if you did have any, what were some of the um, challenges you saw in that face of having um, people that maybe didn't support you 110%? Yeah, it's funny because as, as you were thinking about that, I was like, oh, is that happening right now? And I think it probably is, but I just don't give it the, the amount of mental capacity that I once did. So mm-hmm. absolutely, in the beginning, when I first started my business, I had so many people being like, you work at such a prestigious place, you've worked so hard to get here, why on earth would you give that away for a pipe dream, right? Um, but again, I, I I could see the bigger picture. I did. Oftentimes, we need other people to buy in, whether that's family, whether that's colleagues. Again, when you're so connected to your why, you don't need other people to validate that it's a good idea. And that's why it's so interesting for me when I meet new entrepreneurs, and they're always like, do you think this is good? Like they're waiting for somebody else to give them the permission slip to go and do this. And we waste so much time in terms of doing that, right? Um, I believe in me. And it's like, I don't know what, again, I don't know what the how is, but I know I'm going to figure it out. I trust myself to figure it out. So I don't need you to validate that I'm making the right decision. And if any of you listening have felt like that, that's okay. But that's such a beautiful invitation of something that's coming up to come out. Like, where does this need for validation to come from? Come from? If you are so connected to why you want to do this, oftentimes it's that lack of trust that we don't trust that we're going to follow through, that we're going to do it, that we can figure it out. Look, take inventory of all of the times in your life where you have figured it out even though it wasn't clear how it was going to happen. We so need to stop relying on other people's validation from outside people. But of course, I've had everything that you can imagine. I remember I was saying this to my clients just yesterday that someone sent me a um, a DM and said, you know, who the hell are you to be talking about business? All you are is a fashion girl. 
you know you get all of that all the time and the weird thing to give you that as a tangible example and I remember I was literally stewing over it for like two weeks and I'm a firm believer in like things are coming up to come out very often we say to ourselves, like, I want a bigger business. I want to be more visible. I want to spread the impact of my work. work. I want more people listening to my podcast, all of that kind of stuff. Yet actually, we've been afraid. We've been shrinking, right? Because the more visible we are, the more exposed we are for people to say things against us. Now we're living in this like cancel culture. Many of us are actually really afraid of being visible. And I realized that I was being triggered by that because that was one of my biggest fears that if I grew my business, you know, people from my past are listening to my podcast, like old people, you know what I mean? Like it just, it makes you more visible. If you start doing Facebook ads, you're going to expose yourself to more people. So can you see how funny it is that the thing that we say that we actually want to call into our lives, actually there's so much mental drama happening in the background. So for me, I had to really sit and unpack like, This would not be triggering me if I didn't have a sense of inferiority complex already. And if that's the case, because no one can ever make you feel inferior without your consent, right? So if we get that DM and we're feeling so triggered or whatever, someone says something, if we actually take it on and it's something we're stewing in, they've clearly touched on something that we've been feeling ourselves. And again, that's not something now to shame ourselves about. I just get curious to be like, wow, this is interesting. What part of this am I believing? And again, that was an opportunity for me to really challenge the belief. Is this true? No, so many people have been changed by my work. I'm not just a fashion girl. So why am I giving this person so much power? And in that moment, I was like, I am no longer going to play small to make other people feel comfortable. I love how you said that you don't have the mental, you don't want to give the mental capacity to those people because if we let that happen, it's all about if what we let happen. If we let that happen, that's what's going to consume us. And I, I always follow the quote that if someone says something bad about you, it's usually a reflection about how they view themselves deep down. So I always just remind myself of that when someone says something negative about me or the podcast or whatever it may be, trying to not let it get to me. But it it is hard not to let it get to you. And that's where I think that mental toughness comes in and that confidence comes in. Um, So definitely, definitely agree with everything you said and so glad that you mentioned it because I know a lot of my listeners definitely um, struggle with that here and there. Did you have any mentors when you started your uh, business and even to this day that have helped you become the success that you are? 100%. I'm a coach that has coaches, I believe, thoroughly, thoroughly in coaching. And, you know, even within that, I've, I've always had coaches. I think it's so important. And I, first of all, I'll tell you why. Because in the beginning, when I first started my business, it was important for me to just get information, right? You don't know what you don't know. So then coaching was a lot more about strategy. And there came a point where things started to change. And that was kind of a double-edged sword in a sense, because yes, I needed more information. But very often we, again, because we're not confident yet, we're just like, I want to grow this business. And this person seems to have the results that I want. So I want them to tell me everything to do. (laughs) Give me your blueprint and I just want to copy it. And I would do that. And what would happen is that I'd either get the result that I wanted, but I was so burnt out. I was so drained. I was so unhappy because the strategy just never felt aligned to me. And now looking back, it was like, duh, it, was, it wasn't it was yours. You literally just copied what somebody else did. It didn't speak to your strengths. It didn't tap into what felt good to you, of course. Or I wouldn't get the results and I would feel so salty because I'm like, I literally did everything that you needed, you told me to do, right? And again, it was because I didn't have confidence in my ability to figure things out, in my ability to create a blueprint for scaling my business or growing my business at that stage. We weren't even at the scaling point. That actually was mine. It was very much like, yeah, I just want to piggyback off you. I want that, so you tell me what to do. And then again, that goes to the confidence and competence. What happens when you don't have the coach? You constantly go into that, I need to listen to a podcast, I need to listen to, because you haven't learned the skills of making decisions. What do I need to be looking for? 
in order to decide whether I go A or whether I go B. We're delegating all of that to somebody else to just feed us and tell us. And that's where we can be wavering and feel stressed and overwhelmed. And when we don't have that support, we end up using it like a crutch. And that helped me so much. And that's why with my clients, I always say, I'm not giving you the fish. (laughs) I'm going to teach you how to fish so that you could be self-sufficient. You don't need me. You know how to look at your numbers. You know how to look at the data and make your own executive decisions. And then you also know how to to drop into your divine feminine and then be like, okay, this is what the numbers are telling me. The how is always a moot point. The how I can decide the how. So what actually feels good to me? What's going to be the thing that I'm going to follow through on because it's just my natural skill set. So that was kind of the, the, the pros and the cons of being with mentors in the beginning. Now, with when I'm working with mentors and coaches, it's so much less about like, tell me what to do, because I trust myself to figure things out. Um, But it's more of, I want to be have expanders in my world. The only reason why we don't have what we currently want to have in our life is because of what we think it's going to cost to get there. Right? It's because the things that are required to get there currently trigger us, right? So I'll give you a tangible example. People will say like, I want to make more money, right? So I'm like, okay, have you had a sales conversation this week? No. Why? Because I don't want to appear too salesy. I don't want to do this. Oh, and I offered this person a discount because I thought they wouldn't have said yes otherwise. Okay, so you're saying that you want to hit this financial milestone, but every single thing that you're doing is the antithesis to that. You are not in alignment with raising your financial temperature yet. Everything that's required, both from an action perspective, but also your mindset, your beliefs, are at odds with somebody who gets to have that, right? So that financial level is always going to elude you because there's that cognitive dissonance. So that's where coaches come in because I know that, right? So next year, we're going for a million dollar year. There's so much of that that makes me like the monkey mind starts coming in being like, oh, you've never done that before. How are you going to do it? Blah, 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 right? So I know that the only reason I know strategically how to make a million dollars, that was never the issue. It's all of the mindset drama that tells me that because I haven't done it, I can't do it. And like, who am I to do that? And all of that crap, right? So I surround myself with coaches who, that's just their reality. There's no drama around it. That's just who they are. They just they just expect that, yeah, I'm going to make $100,000 this month. I'm going to make $200,000. They have no drama about it. They're not saying, oh my God, to make that again, you know, how am I going to do it? I did it last month. How am I going to replicate? They have no drama around it. So they expand me, right? They show me what's possible. And just by observing the person that they're being, you know, the fact that I'm thinking like, oh my God, it's going to take so much time and I'm going to be so stressed. And I'm seeing that there's another way. It helps me rewire my brain and challenge the beliefs of what I think is going to be required for me to go there. So it's a lot more about that expansive energy, but those are kind of paid engagements. But I've, I feel like some of my best mentors have been the books that I've read. Like we have access to so many incredible people just through books and just yeah. through podcasts. Like Wayne Dyer was such a game changer. When I read his book, um, you'll see it when you believe it. Like that was one of the books that absolutely changed the trajectory of my life and kind of put me on this personal growth journey. Um, Marianne Williamson, uh, Danielle Laporte, like there's just so many wonderful people that I would definitely say are mentors because they've completely changed my worldview and taught me so much. Like I'm going back to these books over and over again because they're kind of like the gift that keeps on giving. So you don't have to pay a fortune to be mentored by incredible people. I believe in the power of a coach. Absolutely. I've had personal fitness and health coaches when I don't have, like I went to that because I didn't have the the experience and the education that I wanted to gain that. After I spent three months there, I knew I was ready to fly on my own because that's how the coach taught me is that I don't need to take their practices and like implement them copy and paste, like you said. It's all about integrating it into your lifestyle, how you believe you see fit, and it's where that confidence comes in. And I'm also glad that you mentioned about surrounding yourself with 
those coaches. And that comes hand in hand with surrounding yourself with just people in your life that inspire you and that are on the same wavelength as you and mindset and just goals in life. When you surround those people around you each and every day, it makes reaching your goals and having that confidence mindset so much easier because you're just feeding off their energy. And then also with the whole podcast and book things, there is so much knowledge out there. And it frustrates me when people tend to make excuses saying, oh, I don't know this, or I don't know that, or I don't have the money to get an ex-coach or whatever. There are so many resources that we can lean into that are absolutely free. And I'm so glad that you said that because I think sometimes we neglect to remember that. 100%. I'm like, there's a big, there's nothing you cannot Google. There's like, it is always there. But again, it's like, excuses and your tolerance for your own excuses and remember I'm saying this as someone who had all of the excuses at a certain point right but again coaching myself to be like no you are not available to be doing those excuses and but one thing I'll definitely caveat with that is that I have other people who are constantly saying to me like what book should I read what podcast should I read listen to and I'm just like okay girl (laughs) gonna give you some tough love tell me the last podcast you listened to. Tell me the last book you read. How have you implemented what you learned? And that's the problem sometimes with free information. We dabble with ideas and we tell ourselves that we're being productive, but we're learning lots of things. It's like getting all the books on how to ride a bike, but never actually riding it, right? Because there isn't that commitment. We learn about Pinterest one day. We learn about Instagram another day. We learn about this. And it's just something now that we've learned, but we've never embodied it, right? In order to get the results, we actually have to embody it. And that's why it's, I hear people always saying, yeah, I know that already. I know that already. And I'm like, but does your results reflect that you know that? Because what's the point of knowing it if we're not seeing it? It's like the, 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 the millionaire in the mind, but without the business right? Yeah. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Like you actually have to implement and the taking action, the first step to taking it, like that's the first step, right? You have to put it out there. It's never going to work on the first go. You iterate, you put your own stamp on it, you get more feedback. And again, just shifting the way that we view failure. I'm always seeing it as experiments. Like, okay, I'm going to try this. Okay. This worked, this didn't work. Okay. So we're going to double down on that. We're going to pull back on that. But that's how you actually integrate what you're learning. But oftentimes, we just literally go from one thing to the next. And we go on this consuming wheel. And in theory, we know everything. But again, if your results in your business are not reflecting that, again, no shame. But this is an opportunity for me to be like, okay, am I buffering by learning more? Because that makes me feel like I'm doing a lot, but it protects me from actually having to do the scary stuff. Yeah, I could not agree more. I just listened to a fantastic podcast actually last night before I went to bed where they were talking about this and they were like, if you're the person that's consuming all this content, if you're consuming all these podcasts, reading the books, cover to front, like, why are you consuming it in the first place if you're not actually implementing it into your life? The only reason that we should be consuming all these self-help things and these business tactics and all this information is to then take it, reflect on it, and then implement it into our lives in the ways that we see fit. But when you come into this, this, a lot of us, I feel like, are moving in sort of like a zombie body where we're just moving through the motions, consuming, 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 but nothing's coming out of it. And that's something that I'm Mm. trying to work a lot more on is just being present in every moment and taking all the information in, sitting back, reflecting on it, and then putting it out before I move on to the next thing. Because it's so easy to have like a queue of podcasts up in your Apple Podcasts or Spotify and just be clicking through them and having them replay after the next. But what's the point of that if you're not reflecting on the information that you just consumed in that 45 minutes? What's the point of even sitting and listening to that podcast when you're not going to actually do anything about it? And so I'm so glad that you mentioned something about that because it's something that's really been inspiring me lately to learn more and focus more and use more um, of this information intently because I feel like we don't do that enough. And I think that's also one of the reasons, Emily, why so many of us feel burnout and just feel exhausted. One, because we are overly stimulated with information. So even if we're not actually taking action on it, we have so many different ideas and tabs open 
that it's overwhelming. And the downside of that is that because there's so much going on mentally, we can't actually hear our own voices. We're just, we're just, we're just exhausted, right? So one of the ways that I've been able to overcome that is that I'm so disciplined with what gets my attention. And so, for example, I don't follow anyone on on my Instagram that is in the same space as me because it's a distraction. I start to, or at least I'll mute them because I'm just like, I don't want my head to be filled with, okay, this, this one's launching in this way. This one is doing that. I want to be able to hear my own ideas. I want to be able to... Um, Again, and that's another reason why we burn out is because we're so exposed to other people's ideas that we, again, we take their strategies and then we're like, why am I feeling burnt out? Why am I having to force myself to do this? And it's like, because it was never yours. You just felt like, oh, that person's getting success. So I need to follow the, the methodology that they're using. So I zone all of that out and I just do not expose myself to it. Then when it comes to strategy, I'm very clear on the things that are the priorities in my business. So every quarter, I'm very clear of like, what are the core rocks? What are the projects? What am I working on? And I don't deviate from that. So for example, if podcast, like really scaling our podcast is my priority for this quarter four, I'm not going to be learning about listening to podcasts about Pinterest. I'm not going to be joining webinars or going to... I'm not doing that. I would literally focus solely on that. So I'm all about going deep and not wide and really kind of having mastery on one or two things and learning about them and being exposed to them. And rather than feeling like, oh, let me just find out about that in case I'm going to use it tomorrow. If I'm not implementing that in my business right now, then I have no business kind of clouding my mind with that information right now. Naomi, do you think that burnout can happen when individuals aren't focusing on that, like you said, that deep mindset instead of that wide mindset, that they're too focused on the big picture and everything that's happening and not so much on the moment? Because I find myself getting burnt out a lot, especially with my podcasts, losing motivation, losing inspiration, when I start thinking about everything at once. And then I get really anxious and I just all of a sudden feel burnt out, overwhelmed. Um, Do you think that's something that a lot of people face? 100%. And I think this is one of our strengths as creatives, right? We are visionaries. We can see the big picture. But the problem sometimes of that is that we live into visionary stage. We don't know how to plan and break things down, right? So that's one of the biggest things that I do. And one of the things I support my clients with is that we honor the visionary. The visionary is what drives the ship, right? So get into that visionary energy, but let's do that at the start of the quarter. And then break that down. Okay, what needs to happen? So not all of those things need our priorities right now, but let's honor it. Let's put it down, but let's park it. Okay, so now we have those three core rocks, right? Those things that are going to move the needle with the most leverage. Now let's break that down. How do we put the right people in the right seats? How do we create deadlines? What do we need to be achieving by certain benchmarks? So those benchmarks of success. And these are a lot of things as creatives, visionaries, we don't like because we're like, this is really boring. I want to go back into like ideation and all of that kind of stuff. But businesses are not, this is the stuff that actually grows businesses and and is the foundation for sustainable growth. And, you know, so that's definitely one of the, the, the core thing. And then once you have those rocks, then again, it's about having that discipline. No, we've already decided what those priorities are. I'm not going to be consuming. I'm not going to be coming up with additional ideas. Like this is the core thing. Um, so the next thing is just about that discipline. As CEOs, our biggest our biggest thing is about setting the priorities, putting the right people in the right seats and setting deadlines. And again, this is oftentimes the type of work that we try and kind of deviate from. Um, So that those have been some of the things that have really helped me from kind of um, taking burnout away. But a few other things I think is worth noting is that, first of all, you have to get crystal clear on the season of life you're in. Right. Because oftentimes the burnout actually comes from. So the first thing that we just said is that the burnout comes from doing all the things rather than having a concrete plan. 
But sometimes it's that the business model is not conducive to the way that you want to live your life. So I speak to a lot of service providers who will launch their business and they'll say, my core product is going to be a $20 membership. And I'm, but they're like, you know, but I've got kids and I don't want to be overwhelmed. and I don't want to be working every hour God sends, but I feel like, you know, a membership. And it's because they've just heard the gurus talking about how great memberships are. And I'm like, but how does that business model support the season of life that you're in? You have small kids, you want to be really present for them, right? You're starting a business from scratch. You have no audience. Something like a membership is purely a volume game. For that to be viable, it's a pure volume game. So at $20 a month, how many people are you going to have need to have in that membership for it to be worth your time? It's a lot. So the business model does not support the way that you want to live, right? So that is often the mistake. Again, we're seeing other people have this kind of offer, this, that, 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 but there's no strategy. You have to first be so crystal clear about where you want to be. It's like when I had my son, again, I was like, okay, my life is going to change and my priorities are changing. So my business model needs to support the level of time freedom and also the financial freedom that this season of my life requires. So absolutely the business model changed. I'm now pregnant with my second baby and I'm asking myself the same questions. The business model has to support it. So oftentimes I see people burn out because they've just created a business model that they think that they're hearing a lot about or it sounds really sexy, but it's actually at odds. So that's the second thing. And then the final thing is, asking ourselves better questions and looking at the data. The data tells you everything. So I'll give you a really tangible example. If you're selling an online course, right? And I'm just going to use really simple math. The online course is $1,000 and your revenue goal for the month is $10,000. And you can look at your data and you see that your average conversion rate is 10%. So what does that tell you? It tells you that you need 100 new qualified leads every month to hit your revenue goal, right? 10 times 10. So then someone will say, oh, but Instagram doesn't work. I've been on Instagram. I'm so overwhelmed creating all of this content and all of this, this, and nobody's buying, right? I had a few, I had a good month and then now I don't do that. It's like, but again... (laughs) you haven't looked you haven't looked strategically again you're doing you like Instagram so you spend a lot of time on Instagram but Instagram is less of a visibility tool it doesn't have the SEO capabilities of a lot of other things right Mm -hmm. so it's more of a conversion tool of people who are already in your ecosystem so is spending 100% of your marketing time on social media going on Instagram going to give you 100 new leads every month Probably not. So you have to tweak the strategy to be asking yourself better questions. If the goal is 10K and I have all of those numbers and I reverse engineer it, I need to get 100 leads this month. Where can I, how can I be leveraging my time outside of delivery and marketing and all of that? I have four hours a week left. How can I be best be leveraging those four hours that I've got to get me those 100 leads? Do you see that confinement? Ask you forces you to ask better questions about how you can leverage your time better that's actually going to hit the goal. But the problem is many people wouldn't have even done that basic math to kind of know what the leads were, to ask themselves how they could be using their time to get that number. Do you see what I mean? So then they're like, but I'm doing all the things and it's not working. It's like there was just, it was just that there was there wasn't a concrete strategy to begin with. You were putting your time in the wrong place. And if you guys out there aren't taking notes like I am, I'm over here like scribbling down in my notebook. These are fantastic tips and tricks. And I know a lot of my listeners have side hustles and side businesses that they're trying to monetize and burnout is something that they definitely express to me a lot. So I I hate that we are coming up on our time now because I feel like you and I could chat forever. And I just, I'm so obsessed with all the wisdom and knowledge that you have, but just sum everything up. I like to ask three final questions at the end of my episode just to wrap everything together. So you're speaking directly to one of my listeners. They're struggling with burnout or they're just struggling with confidence in their business and in themselves in general. You're speaking directly into their ears. What would you tell them? You get to do, be, and have it all. 
Honestly, you do. There is this idea that to make more money, you have to work harder. And again, it's all of these beliefs that to make more, I'm going to have to do all of this. So again, we sabotage ourselves and we don't actually go for the bigger goal because we're so afraid of what it's going to cost us, right? That doesn't have to be true for you. But it first requires you to become so crystal clear about how does this business support your life? How do you want to feel? How do you want to use these years, this short amount of time that we're on this world? Like, what does that look like? What does living a really rich and dynamic life look like for you? Then I want you to look at your business model and ask yourself, is this business model supporting that? What would this business model need to look like in order for you to facilitate that? Oftentimes, and I know that you've probably felt this, like I need to just get through this like stressful hustle stage and then I'm going to feel happy. I was there too. It was always like when and then. When this happens, then it will be easy. Then I'll be able to feel that way. Then, No, no, no. You get to be happy. You get to feel enriched. You get to feel balanced the whole way through. It just requires you to be really strategic and intentional in the way that you're building this business. But if you are believing that sacrifice and hustle and burnout is required now, you will believe that throughout the journey and you will not enjoy any part of the journey. Why will you want to do the scary things? Why will you want to continue growing? Just think, when your business gets to the point where it can financially take care of you, why, what will be your incentive to continue to do scary things because you're now taken care of? You have to love the process, right? And you get to do that when you actually create an intentional business strategy that supports the bigger vision that you have for your life. You just literally took the words out of my mouth. I mean, that really just sums up the episode so nicely. And to ask you two more questions that are a little bit less related to the content of today, but more about you. What is something that you're most grateful for? Family, always. And then the second question I have for you is, what are you looking forward to within the remainder of today? I Thursdays are my big coaching days, so I'm so excited to catch up with all of my clients. Um, we're really focused on rounding out the year with a bang. So for me, being able to do meaningful work with women that I just truly love, that I get excited mm-hmm. to see on my calendar, Like, come on, what's better than that? And it makes it easier when you love what you do each and every day. And I think that's something that we all strive for. So Naomi, thank you so much for being on The Purpose Project today. I know that this conversation is going to be so insightful for so many. Please let us know where my listeners can find you, follow you, check out your coaching information, all of it. Yes. So you guys are obviously podcasters. So definitely come and check me out. I am just at the lifestyle edit podcast and just if you've loved kind of some of the themes that we've been talking about on today's show that's what the podcast is all about it's that mixture of like mindset business strategy actionable things that you can really implement today not just inspiration so definitely come and check us out at the lifestyle edit podcast and also come and hang out with me on Instagram. I would love if you could DM me like any takeaways that you had from today's episode or just any questions that you have. My DMs are always open. I am on Instagram at the lifestyle edit. Awesome. I will have everything linked down in the show notes and I will have Naomi tagged on all of our Instagram posts as well. But again, Naomi, thank you so much for being here and taking time out of your busy schedule. I'm very appreciative of you and your wisdom that you shared with us today. Oh, Emily, my pleasure. I hope you all enjoyed that. That was such an inspiring conversation. And it was so nice to hear from someone who has just done so much. And she's a mother, she's a wife, she's just doing it all. And I appreciate that girl boss mentality so much. So do you guys want to connect with Naomi? Definitely check her information down in the show notes. And then follow us on Instagram at the Purpose Project Pod. And all of her information will be tagged there as well. I highly recommend checking her out and her podcast. She is phenomenal. And um, I'm very thankful for the connection we have created together. So 
going forward, you guys, just continue to interact and support where you can with the podcast. I explain it every week, but I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. I am just floored by the podcast community and the people that I am able to meet through this wonderful space. And I'm looking forward to continuing to grow and get to know each and every one of you um, through this, this platform. But that's all I have for today. Stay tuned for a ton of awesome interviews, maybe a solo episode coming up too uh, with The Purpose Project. So make sure to hit that um, follow and subscribe button on whatever platform you may be listening on. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. Thank you so, so much for listening. Tune in next week for another amazing episode. Have an amazing remainder of today's 24, and I will talk to you all next time. Bye.